Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1255 entitled Emmys and EVAs. Our, our podcast title is Ad Astra Pod Aspodera. <laughs> which I don't really know what the rest of it means. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. But the Ad Astra part means To the Stars, which is the name of the new, new movie that uh, has Brad Pitt playing yes, astronaut. Yes, the much talked about, very keen to hear your take. Is it? Is it much talked about? Well, I've read some tidbits, but I get all the entertainment updates, so there's been a lot oh. of buzz about it. And then I've heard some uh, real-life people give me their thoughts, and they're a bit different, so I'm keen to hear what you thought. Ooh. Well, I have thinks about it. <laughs> Last week, as you may recall, we were shining the bat signal on, yes. on DC's excellent animated superhero movies. I think we were looking at uh, Batman Ninja, and I also mentioned Batman uh, Gaslighting Gotham or something like that. <laughs> uh, their live-action television series are also kicking goals, in this case in a most pleasantly retro way. Several DC television series are colliding in a crossover event, taking their cues from an iconic comic book story arc, which is called Crisis on Infinite Earths, which played itself out in the um, in the comic books a while ago. Now, the multiverses collide in Supergirl, the series, on December the eighth. Batwoman on December the ninth. The Flash on the tenth, and it finishes up with an Arrow. Slash Legends of Tomorrow double on January the 14th in 2020. So, why am I, normally a Marvel zombie, happy with this? Well, I was a, a, a modest fan of the old Smallville television series, which ended with Superman leaving his, sorry, Superboy leaving his <laughs> hometown and taking up his signature role as Superman slash Clark Kent in Metropolis. Now, hopes were held that Tom Welling would take his interpretation of Big Blue and go on to play Superman on the big screen. Alas, it was not to be, with results that we all know and loathe. I'm sorry, that was mean of me. I don't mean loathe, I mean love. <laughs> and, uh, Justice League. Your, <coughs> Batman your versus Marvel Superman. love is showing, Rob. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to cut a long story short, Tom Welling is now going to reprise his roles Kal-El and Clark Kent in the Crisis on Infinite Earth story. Not only that, but his Smallville co-star, Erica Durance, is going to again play Lois Lane. Ah. Interestingly, Erica already plays Supergirl's Kryptonian biological mother, uh, Allura Zor-El, in the Supergirl series. So I'm not sure if she's going to wonder twin, twin's power activate. Ah, okay, interesting, interesting. Now, Burt Ward, Robin to Adam West's Cape Crusader in the beloved 1960s Batman TV series. So, I mean, yeah, Adam West has really made a nostalgic name for himself, even amongst those who are unfamiliar with the original. Yes, Zap Pow Kapow. Exactly. Burt Ward is also appearing in a yet undisclosed role. 
Okay. Future Robin or something Interesting. like that. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, while Linda Carter, Wonder Woman in the 70s television series of the same name, uh, played an alien masquerading as a human who became the President of the United States in the Supergirl series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and, and Brandon Roof, who plays... Brandon Ralph? Brandon Ralph. it's Brandon Ralph. Ralph, who plays uh, the Atom in the DC series, is also going to reprise his Superman Returns, Man of Steel. Interesting. As the Kingdom Come universe uh, Superman. Smallville fans are also hoping that Michael Rosenbaum might also appear as Lex Luthor. Yes. It's so interesting, the Smallville. Have you heard about all the controversy around uh, that actress from Smallville? Yes. It's, we won't go into it. No. But it's an interesting tidbit if you want to go down that cult-ish rabbit hole. So just look up Smallville actress cult and it'll come up. Yeah. for <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure Quentin Tarantino is going to want to make a movie about that someday. It'd be an interesting one, that's for sure. Quentin Tarantino's take on Superman would... Oh, we actually know that. We've seen it in Kill Bill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, this one's, this one's for Megan. Dean Cain, <gasps> Superman from the 1990s series, Lois and Clark. One of my faves. The new adventures of Superman, not new anymore, uh, already plays Kara's foster father, Jeremiah Danvers, in the Supergirl series. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he had a guest role in Smallville too once. Uh, Terry Hatcher, the Lois in The New Adventures of yes. Superman, similarly already plays a character in the Supergirl series. Okay. Uh, and she too had a role in Smallville as Lois Lane's mum, Ella. Oh, <laughs> I like when they do that. I mean, the other thing too is those guys have got the, probably, you know, like to be involved in the new yeah. stuff. They've got the time from what I gather. That sounds bitchy. But you know what I mean? Like, I think I love a good time. Well, Tom Willing, I think, was in um, Lucifer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess Dean. I mean, Dean Cain did some weird right wing stuff, but we'll just brush that aside. He's still doing that. Yeah, let's brush that aside. (laughs) Yes, all right. Uh, Actually, they had um, the original. uh, Oh God, the uh, the television, no, the movie serial um, uh, Lois and Clark appearing in the Christopher Reeve Superman the movie. Interesting. They were in a train. Okay. Okay. Going by, you know. So was, you know, there's all, they've already always been doing this. So that's really good news for DC fans. I mean, look at all the DC content we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like they've got a good uh, little plan happening. Yes. Well, the 71st Primetime Emmys are well underway. Yes. But did you know that the Creative Arts Emmys, which are shuffled off before the main ones... The, te- the poor technical awards, it's yeah. It's like the Oscars, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. They've already been done. So we don't really want to spoil um, no. the Emmys that are rolling out now. Actually, would that be just about finished? Yes. So I've been yeah. getting some updates and it looks like they've done the big ticket awards. Yeah. And so I think we're probably at wrap-up now. So the results are all there, but we're conscious that... Some people enjoy watching it yeah. maybe when they go home tonight. So we're yeah. going to try to... Yeah, well, we won't we won't spoil those, but we can spoil the Creative Arts em- yes. Emmys. let's do that. Which, and, and there are lots of gongs in that awarded to genre. Um, now, they, they, all of these are all called outstanding whatnots, you know. Uh, but we're just... After I say that once, I'm not going to mention it again. So in the animation area, the outstanding animated program is The Simpsons. For an episode, Mad About the Toy. Oh. So it's still kicking goals there. I've stopped watching The Simpsons. Maybe should I restart? I don't know. Look, I, I was, I'm more of a Futurama fan. Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. That checks out too. Um, short form animated program, the episode of Love, Death and Robots. Ah. The Witness. Very interesting. Yeah. The best character voiceover performance. I didn't even know they had an Emmy for that. Guess who? Seth MacFarlane. 
Oh, well, look. Yeah, he is good at voices. He is very good at voices. Uh, and um, in, in uh, what we call this a fantasy show, yeah, we'll go with that, uh, Russian Doll. Oh, great, brilliant. P- picked up three. Sci-fi, I guess? Yeah, kind of, sort of like that. I don't really give you a science fiction and, um, answer to it. Uh, three Emmys. Nice. Uh, cinematography for a single camera series, half hour, very specific. <laughs> uh, contemporary costumes. Okay. And production design for a narrative program. So, good on Russian Doll. Game of Thrones. Yes, let's go. I'm yeah. sure they've picked up some of the technical awards. Oh, yes. Sure. So, these are in the creative ones, not the uh, primetime ones. Yeah. Uh, they for, it, Pretty much, though, I reckon it's foretelling what will undoubtedly be wins in the primetime Emmys as well. They have won nearly a double handful of awards. So, okay, outstanding casting for a drama. Uh, at main title design, well, that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although it's okay. strange that they're winning that so far down the track. Did they change the main titles last season? I mean, they add to it all the time, yeah. but I but mean, it is a great sequence. It is, it to is be a great sure. sequence. And very influential too, for that matter. Uh, makeup for a single camera series, non-prosthetic. <laughs> a lot of bruises there and, uh, you know, glamour makeup, so I'm Bloody sure. wounds and whatnot. Mm. Uh, outstanding music composition for a series mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. Raman Dejuadi. Yes. Uh, also, uh, single camera picture editing for three different episodes. Okay. The Iron Throne, The Long Night and Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Uh, sound editing for a comedy or drama series. Outstanding sound mixing. Visual Special visual effects. Mm-hmm. That's actually... That was hotly contested this year because we had Star Trek Discovery in play. Yes, And yes, that indeed. is really a finely visualised series. Uh, stunt coordination, I think that's actually a no-brainer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they, they just won all this stuff there. And I reckon that will carry over to the primetime ones. I mean, it's a big production. It's It goes in hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it should be taking out some of these awards, really, when you think about what's been put behind it. Mm. Um, but I'm glad to hear things like Russian Doll and things like that have also picked up some stuff for the Creative Arts Awards. Well, let, let, we'll go on with some more of those, but let's have a track mm-hmm. here, uh, which is the main title of Game of Thrones. And, uh, yeah. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, stacking Z's on Zero G. Yeah, the main title of Game of Thrones. It is a lovely piece of music, isn't it? It's just won a Creative Arts Emmy. So recognisable as well. Mm. I feel like it's now firmly cemented into the zeitgeist of the uh, 21st century. Yeah, because I started listening to um, compilation albums of television show theme tunes very early in my life (laughs) and created my own mixtapes by recording live open mic off the television. Oh, that's... That's rustic. It's very very geeky. (laughs) So, you know, I can like hum so many tunes and shows and stuff. This one, this one's going to be, yeah, it'll be up there. And even for someone who, to reveal your secret, has not even watched, finished Game of Thrones yet. God, no, I've only watched the first season. So there you go. You've got a long (laughs) road ahead. Has much been spoiled? Like no need to say exactly, but has. I gather a shit ton of people die. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes and no. I don't care. Yeah. You know. I guess when you're so early on, you don't even know who some of the spoily things are, so you don't know when you know. Well, we ran into the zero-G ph- phenomenon quite early on on that one. Um, what? How many seasons are there? Eight? 
yes. Eight seasons, so eight years worth of stuff. And I think we reviewed it um, originally a couple of episodes and then the first season. Mm. And after that kind of stalled because they had to move on. Yeah, yeah. And that can happen. Well, sometimes. that's it. Like we try to look at new content all the time so we can't always be – Sticking with the one. Yeah, if you're surfing the leading edge, you can't always stop to look back at the reef. <laughs> <laughs> until exactly. You, until you wipe out. I don't know why. There's a surfing metaphor there. I have no idea. All right. Now, uh, we were looking at the Creative Arts Emmys, which are not the same as the primetime ones. They're the ones they trot out before. Exactly. Uh, and we don't want to spoil the main one, even though it's just about finished running now. Um the, the prime time, the prime time Emmys, not the, the ones one. that get televised and all the yeah. money gets thrown behind. We yeah. understand some people want to. So we just talked about um, Game of Thrones winning a ton of uh, creative arts Emmys, mm. including um, outstanding score. Uh, also, The Handmaid's Tale has picked up outstanding guest actor in a drama series for Bradley Whitford, ah, our man from the West Wing. Yes. He's great. And so many genre horror movies now. Yes. And Was also, he the one in Cabin in the Woods? Uh, yes. 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 And uh, also in uh, Get Out. Ah, oh, yes. Yes, of course. But yeah. he has more facial hair. Yeah. Godzilla 2, the king of the monsters. That's right. Okay. So uh, also uh, Cherry Jones won guest actress for Handmaid's Tale as well. Uh-huh. And they won production design for a narrative contemporary program. Okay. I'm not really sure it's contemporary, but we'll go with it. It's so, I, actually, I, I think that feel that that's wrong. Or maybe I've cut and pasted the wrong thing. If so, I will <laughs> apologise. <laughs> I'm not winning any outstanding awards for for um, <laughs> editing of Emmy content. Uh, e- Emmy content, yeah. Have uh, you seen that the new book is out? The Testament. The Testament. Yeah, I want to read that. I was going to say I'm I'm intrigued. It's been a while since I've read Handmaids, though. I have to reread that first. But I, I kind of overdosed on um, non-zombie dystopias. He says with a caveat. Um, when I did that article for the Trip Magazine, I, and I I chain read 1984 Fahrenheit 451, The Handmaid's Tale, Children of Men, and um, Colossus of you know, so yeah, just, right. So you're feeling a little yeah, <laughs> dystopic already. Yeah, dystopic dist, out. Dist out. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, outstanding creative achievement in interactive media within a scripted program. Bandersnatch. Of course. Well, what else is there? I feel like that's just. I mean, what else was even in that category? Did they create the award exactly. just for I that? I feel like they did. I mean, it was quite the feat, and yeah. I will say. When we talked about it originally, Netflix had to create a whole new – make adjustments to their platform to account for it, all kinds of stuff. Pretty impressive. Outstanding prosthetic makeup for a series, limited mm-hmm. series, movie or special. Okay. Any guesses? Star Trek Discovery? There you go. Great ah. one. <laughs> for, particularly for an episode called If Memory Serves. And they give one to the department – it's the department head special effects makeup, which is Glenn Hetrick. But, you know, there's like about nine other people. Of listed, course. Which is fair enough. Do you know what these um, creative arts Emmys and, all, and the Emmys in general, you get to hold the, stat- the statuette, the winged sort of yes. victory. Yep. Um, but you don't actually get to keep it. What? If you want to keep it, you got to spend. You got to buy it for four hundred dollars and then get it engraved at an after party <laughs> for the creative arts ones. No, all, all of them. Of them. Yeah. All the Emmys. Yeah, you have to purchase your own statue. Yeah, you do. I guess. And I think it's like four hundred US dollars. Like, or something. An, I guess if you're part of a big team, is that the idea? I, I don't know, but it's that just, seems stingy it's, to me. Yeah, now I could be wrong there, but that's what I read. 
Mm. <laughs> no one call in. <laughs> Reportedly, yes. Interesting, interesting. Yes. Uh, Horror, a little horrifying, but sure. Yeah, and the Emmy for best uh, Emmy performance gaffe. <laughs> uh, now, the uh, we'll call it a science fiction story because there are some fictional elements in it. Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's definitely science. Yes. Uh, Historical. That, that got so many awards. Um, cinematography for a limited series. That would have uh, been up for prosthetics too. I've heard they do some stuff there. Yeah. Outstanding music composition for a limited series uh, um, for its um, composer, Hildur – oh, God. <laughs> Hildur Guanadotta. Um, d- production design for a narrative period or fantasy program, single camera picture editing, um, sound editing, sound mixing, special visual effects in a supporting role. Mm. Now, that's a category I've not heard mm. of. Have and you watched that one? No, and I will. I was going to say because I don't think we've talked about it before. No. Um, it deserves to be watched. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I believe it's only available on – it's a HBO show. I think so. Um, I guess Foxtel and it, it comes highly recommended from Andrew Bolt. <laughs> oh, don't, don't even. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's much. It's much talked about. I've heard yeah. a lot of good things, so maybe we check that it, out. It just point. it just radiates winner. <laughs> uh, NASA NASA was a winner too. Uh, outstanding interactive program with um, SpaceX, the interactive demo launch, oh. and also uh, NASA's Insights Mars landing. So oh. NASA's winning a few. Um, and these are not genre, our particularly zero G, zero G genre. I must call this zero G G. <laughs> um, our European counterpart. Yeah. Outstanding writing for a variety special, uh, Hannah Gadsby. Uh, that yes. Nanette show. We should shout out that. That, that was sure. a brilliant piece of work. Mm, mm. Very uh, well deserved. And also I, 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 my heart did actually go out for this one. I can easily retrieve it and put it back in the hatch uh, for the late Anthony Bourdain for outstanding non-fiction writing and informational series or special for yeah. some of his shows that he yeah. did, you know, deserved. Uh, yeah, okay, so that's the um, – the uh, the regular not, not the regular Emmys but the, the creative um, arts the creative Emmys. arts ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now the primetime ones, we're not going to spoil them. Nope. But I'm just going to let you know that the fantasy series, The Good Place, is up for a couple mm-hmm. for best writing and best lead actor. Ah, Ted Danson. He's great. Yeah, I hope he wins that. Uh, and we're hearing the echoes of the now fading The Big Bang Theory, which has finished its run, for best comedy series. But that's up against Russian Doll. And um, it's a good place as well, I think. Actually, the Big Bang Theory is not there. It's Best Comedy Series, and that's a different one. Big Bang Theory is for Best Directing. Ah, right. So I would have to say that The Good Place would win out over Russian Doll. I would think so too. Good Place is a brilliant comedy piece of writing. Yeah. And it's in new episodes at the end of this week. Great. Uh, Best Drama Series, we've got Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And Supporting Actor, they've got... In a drama, they've got three 
Are there people in contention for that? Interesting. <laughs> so, okay, okay. Look, I'm not saying that they can't cooperate on Game of Thrones, <laughs> but they're not known for it. No. In fact, that's the premise of the show, is it not? <laughs> Even better, Best Supporting Actress, they've got four of the most dangerous women in, in television. I love it. Uh, Gwendolyn Christie, Lena Headey, Sophie Turner and Maisie Williams. <laughs> so we just throw a couple of swords into the, into the room. Let them sort it let out. Let them sort it out. And Kit Harrington, Best Actor, you know. <laughs> Well, Amelia Clark, Best Actress. Uh, that was Supporting Actresses. The yeah. usual suspects, to be fair. Writing, they're, they're uh, going up against The Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. f- amongst others. And directing, they've got four episodes in there of the show. Oh, God. It's a real hog, isn't it? It's that, it's <laughs> they've got more Chernobyl uh, things in content, actors yep. and so on in contention. Makes sense. About um, four. Five, six of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, so it's still, even though they've already done one bunch and it's genre yeah. heavy, the next is, we just rule. Yeah. Genre rules. There is some great <laughs> genre stuff on TV. And yeah. I have to say, I think it's, yeah, I mean, you come at it from all different angles. Like, good place comedy, you know, and mm. then you've got historical Chernobyl with elements of bits and bobs in there and yep. fantasy and doing it all. Let's have the Star Trek Discovery main titles, which I like too, and which, again, does feel very Game of Thrones. Or maybe, maybe a bit more daredevilly too. Hmm. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Yeah, Jeff Russo, Star Trek Discovery main titles there. Ah, into space. So it's such a lovely uh, riff on the, mm. the theme, isn't it? Mm. You have a game to talk about. I do. So I have a little tidbit to talk about. So I uh, over the weekend I downloaded a new game on my Switch and I thought it would be great to just throw it a mention. Now I'm a little behind the eight ball on this one because it did come out several years ago. Uh, the game is called Oxenfree. And it's available across a lot of platforms. But the reason why I thought I might play it now is because the studio that released it, which is called Night School Studio, actually has a new game coming out in October called After Party, which looks a lot of fun, just as spooky. The premise is basically that you have to drink your way out of hell. You wake up and you're in a circle (laughs) of hell, then you have to do all these kind of drinking games. So I thought, look, I'll check out their existing game and see what I think. So Oxen Free. What? How do you pronounce? How do you spell that? Uh, o x e n f r double e. Is that like Ollie Ollie Oxen yes, Free? Exactly. Okay. It is. So it's a little supernatural mystery adventure. It originally came out at the start of 2016 on PC, uh, Mac, and the Xbox One, and then it was released later that year on PlayStation 4 and Linux. And it's now iOS, Android, and Nintendo Switch, Nintendo Switch available. That was released in 2017, so you can get it pretty much on anything at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really lovely little narrative mystery game with elements of supernatural in it. It's similar to games like Gone Home, Night in the Woods and Firewatch. I actually haven't played Night in the Woods, but the other two I've played and are lovely. But that being said, even though it's a little narrative mystery, it has a very distinct art style. Now, the type of play is sort of a little side-scroller, but you walk around these little environments. You play as Alex and you've gone to this 
island with a group of your friends for a fun night out uh, to you know, you drink by the campfire, but not all is not as it seems. Uh, thus unfolds our mystery. So um, basically, basically you discover a bit of a tear in uh, the fabric of time and uh, the living and dead. A rift on an island. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> to be fair, I will, I will disclose I've not yet finished the game, so I'm very excited to finish it up. It's a short play. I've played maybe a couple of hours of it. I'm really liking it so far. Not finished or can't? No, no, can, can finish. <laughs> okay. I was not too scared. Um, but it's one of those ones where you sort of walk along, you have a buddy, you talk and you can choose the options for what, how you respond, which shapes what your character's like. Mm-hmm. And you also uncover little tidbits of the past and these characters and how they interact with each other and how they know each other. And it's done in this very subtle, beautiful way. Um, and you right away it just has great ways of really showing who these characters are. So there's um, Alex and then there's Clarissa, who's kind of the type A queen bitch. Uh, You have a friend called Ren, who's kind of a jokey sidekick, and Alex's new stepbrother, Jonas. Um, And so basically what you do get split up and you have to sort of navigate your way around the island, solving little mysteries and uncovering things as you go. Now, I will say that... uh, it was as a mystery. It's pretty unnerving in some parts, even oh. though it's it's got a, a little animated style, so it's not realistic by any means. And you live these little figures that kind of walk around the different levels. So you're not. It's not sort of an immersive in that way, but in terms of how it looks. But it's more really relies on the story and you navigating your way around this environment and talking to the people that you're with and kind of unwrapping a bit more about what's happened here on the island, but also what's happened in these characters' internal uh, private lives as well. So I definitely recommend it. I mean, unless it just takes a massive left swerve and becomes totally awful by the end of the game, (laughs) which I hope not for many reasons, uh, I can definitely recommend this. And I definitely think I'll catch After Party, which is their new game, and see what that's like as well. Uh And... Yeah, it's just a fun little game. I think it's been reviewed and received quite well. If a lot of people had recommended playing this, I'd recommend that I give this a go. So, because um, they had really liked it. So, I actually think you'd quite like it too, Rob. Oh. Well, very... I did enjoy um, Clive Barker's Undying um, Days back in the oh yeah back in the day, which is pretty scary, especially if you had headphones on and you could hear the things coming behind you. you know. <laughs> this is more sort of, uh, it's hard to explain, it's creepy. There's definitely things that happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Gone Home, I constantly felt like something bad was going to happen, even though it wasn't. But in this game, things happen. But the way it's handled, it's very immersive. I really have enjoyed playing this. Hmm. Um, and... Yeah, it's very affordable. I can't remember what I paid for it, but I think now it's down to $10 US, so it would have been about $15 mm-hmm. for me to get. And it's a couple of hours gameplay. I think I read somewhere it's four hours, so I must be close to the end. And you can unwrap little mysteries on the island as well. It depends how much you want to. For, for budding, I was going to say Veronica Mars, but she doesn't do Supernatural. No, it's uh, more... Um, yeah. Oh, the Winchester brothers. Actually, they don't do subtle Supernatural either. No, well, this is the thing. It's very... <laughs> Paired back, but then in some ways it's uh, not at all paired back. So. Scooby, Scooby-Doo? 
Yeah, maybe, maybe a little a gang of friends, but it's also a bit about their interactions. And, and what platform is it available on again? Pretty much whatever you want. Okay. PS4, Xbox One, get it on your Nintendo Switch. It's also available as mobile, which I haven't looked at in the store, but it does say mm. available iOS and Android, Windows, so PC and Mac as well. Mm. So pretty much whatever you got, you can get it on there. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's a, it's a great little... Great little game. What sort of rating are we looking at? Young adult to... I'd say young adult. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you could definitely... Teens could play this. Well, I say it's creepy. It is animated and the figures are quite small. I mean, there's no guts falling out. At mm. least, not yet. What are the graphics like? Beautiful. Yeah? Very beautiful. It's got this sort of watercolour shading and the colour palette is oh. very kind of grey, light purple, light blue kind of... Um, it's It's... Yeah. I would say the art style really lifts it as well. And it looks like their next game has got much more of a neon pastiche mm-hmm. colour palette. So I think they just choose these very distinct um, kind of to create the mood. If there, if there is, and I don't know if there is, if there's fighting in it, um, what's the gameplay like for that? There is no fighting. Okay. It's more about you have a little radio and mm. it's more about tuning your radio at the right moment um i will say one thing is because it loads these environments that you walk around in there is a bit of a loading there's a lot of loading time that you have to be okay with but it's very low-key in that it's much more about a lot of people would call it a walk-em-up you walk through environments the story unfolds around you there's not any combat per se or even any puzzles per se it's more about letting the game guide you and letting it unwrap around you has Which, it got a good sandbox? What does that mean? An extensive sandbox that you can just keep playing in. No. no it's, I think it's a quite – it's very contained. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it does – the game very clearly – I think it's actually great for teens, massive generalisation, but it very clearly directs you as to what you should be doing next. It's not open world. So if, if someone has is not used to playing games – you don't have to worry about being lost in some quest that you have no idea what you're meant to find <laughs> or what key you're meant to be looking for or where yeah. the code might be. Okay. It's pretty good at holding your hand. It's really there for you to think about the narrative, I think. Okay. So, yeah. Ooh, good synopsis. <laughs> so, yes, the game is called Oxenfree, O-X-E-N-F-R-E-E. Okay. Is it, have you heard anything about the, um, the Cat Island game um, that's set on – Aoshima, you know, the, the island where there's a lot of uh, cats. There's a few of those, actually, islands around Japan. There's, you know, significantly more feline residents than people. And so somebody's done a game. I'm sure there's been several, but there's a game where... The Cat's you, Island. Yeah, you play as a cat. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's recent. Yeah. I, I'm interested. I actually did also have a little gander, gander at Untitled Goose Game. Have you yes. heard of that? It is... Great. The art is great. The music is great. You play as a goose and you have to create mayhem based on a to-do list from what I can gather. I might check that one out as well. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, little little game tidbits for you. Yes, there was a a game that uh, Tony Stark invented in the comics called Escape. And it was a worldwide, sort of like um, Second Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which promptly got taken over by a villain called The Controller. Or that, yeah, like that game in Ready Player One as well. Yes, yeah, it's very much like that. Interesting. And there were many deaths. Of course. Um, Well, sadly, wherever he goes, sometimes death will follow. Cutting edge sometimes draws blood. Um, it, it does indeed. Now, speaking of Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. Yeah, state of the Stark. What's going on? Yeah, 
Yes. The, Juicy update. Uh, the Avengers Endgame DVDs come out. Ah. Uh, Blu-ray, 4K, uh, 3D Lovely. as well. Now, the 3D is impossible to come by in the shops in Australia as far as I know. Yep. And this is a sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the, the At f- home, 3D is dying. The last one I, I saw come out readily available was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 3D. Okay. Uh, and then after that in Australia, no Captain Marvel, no Endgame. I think the, the demand just isn't there. No. Because no. 3D TVs took a dive as well. Yeah. And so as a combo... I mean, it makes sense. It mm. makes sense. Yeah, there are still some dedicated sections in some stores that holding um, some movies and that, but it's not a given now. Mm-mm. Anyway, when for those <laughs> of us who did go out and find it, um, the uh, Endgame Blu-ray and the 3D disc also have um, bonus disc mm-hmm. with extra features. Uh, there's the Remembering Stan Lee little featurette that was um, at the end of the special edition of Endgame that came out yes. again in the cinemas. Uh, we've got looks at the casting of each of the characters or, 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 or themes around that, particularly the casting of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, mm-hmm. which of course was brilliant and yeah. launched the MCU basically. And yeah, it really did. I think that was the solid foundation, right, that mm-hmm. everything was built on. Uh, there's one about a featurette about um, Captain America and the Black Widow, of course, and Thor, uh, as Bro Thor, hmm. uh, or the Lebowski Thor. Yeah, Lebowski Thor, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed the Black Widow one in particular because she's a key player in Endgame yeah. and she's got a new movie coming up as well next she year. She does. There's a, an, a feature out about the Russo brothers and how they sort of came to Endgame after doing Civil War, leaping straight into mm. Infinity War and then Endgame. You know, this is these are two Endgame, Infinity War and Endgame, two of the biggest movies in cinema history. Yeah, film back to back, not easy to do. Uh, there's a really nice little piece about the women of the MCU and how they get together in in Endgame. Which well, that's I, a real crowd favorite too, isn't it? We have deleted scenes. <gasps> I love a good uh, scene. There are some that I haven't seen. Any bloopers? Yes, there's a gag reel, yes. little gag reel there. I think of the deleted scenes, the one where the Avengers take a knee after uh, after Tony Stark is, is, dies. Yeah, you hear that catch in my throat then. Mm. Ah, yes, um, <laughs> and they, they they take a knee in, in to salute their fallen hero. You know, not enough knees for Tony Stark's no. death. <laughs> So you'd need more knees than, than than the whole. Well, half a universe saved, you know. Yeah, that's him. On, it's on him and Black Widow. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she she, she prepped. She, couldn't have done it without her. She I balanced know. her ledger more than, more than enough. Uh, and um, audio commentary too, of course, uh, from the uh, Anthony and Joe Russo and the writers, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Uh, there is a digital exclusive too about Steve and Peggy. One Last Dance Aww. about their relationship. It's a bit nice. Yeah, so all of this is on the... Uh, Shock full, then. Yeah, it is. There could be more. I would like to see more. Yeah. Uh, I could see endless amounts. Because as long as I can t- keep seeing new footage of, of um, RDJ as Tony Stark, yeah, he's still alive in the MCU. <laughs> so, yeah, um, check that out. I am going to actually take the opportunity once I've um, uh, got... Some other things I'm doing to watch Infinity War and Endgame straight back to back. 
Oh, yeah, love it. You know, in the vein of uh, Superman 1 and 2 or... Um, Kill Bill 1 and 2. Kill Bill 1 and 2, you know. Or even the Three Musketeers and the Four Musketeers. We go there <laughs> way, way back. Now, there are two rumours that are kicking around, and these are rumours. They're not rusted on. Uh, one that Robert Downey Jr. will voice at for the suit Artificial Intelligence. Oh, for Riri Williams in the Disney Plus streaming series Ironheart. Okay. Not rusted on, just an interesting rumour. And another interesting rumour is that um, Tony Stark has a cameo in the Black Widow movie. Now, I can okay. see how you could do that with um, stock footage. Yeah. Easily. Well, it's a prequel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Again, just rumours. <laughs> Fun to, me- to Fun think to about, yeah. yeah. State of the Stark. Now, I'm still wearing a red and gold Armour band after the death of Tony Stark in Avengers Endgame. I think the time for spoilers. We're good. We're good. Fortunately, there's still heaps of Iron Man action in the Marvel comics. As usual, Tony Stark seems to be the go-to cool tech head across numerous books. So, uh, in his own book, Tony Stark Iron Man, which is coming to an end in December. Oh, um, now, this has happened before. Don't panic, true yes. believers. Uh, they, do, they do end particular Iron Man main titles. But I think there's something more to it. There's, there's talk of a, a big crossover event in um, 2020. Oh. Uh, either that or the world comes to an end if Donald Trump gets back in or some ghastly let's circumstances not, like that. But, um, yeah, uh, this has been the main the Tony Stark Iron Man comics being done by writers Dan Scott and Jim Zub at the moment. Uh, it's still very much an ensemble comic. Um, artificial intelligence is the flavour of the month. Uh, loaded into Tony's old armour AI, he had Friday. He put Friday back into his suit in a crisis and she got killed in, an, in, yes. in another. Um, another old Stark AI, Jocasta, who has a complicated origin in the Marvel Comics universe. Mm. Um, she was originally built by Ultron to be his bride. Not that complicated, actually. <laughs> uh, she sought the help of Tony's stepbrother, Arno Stark, okay. to help her become a real uh, gynoid girl. Uh, Tony himself is not sure he's an AI at the moment, um, and he's using another copy of his brain and personality as his current suit AI. And that was the software save of himself that was uh, swanning around in an empty Iron Man suit while Tony was in a coma after Captain Marvel punched through his chest plate in comics. As if Stark's increasingly confused identity problems weren't enough, he's in trouble with the world for his Escape Entertainment system being hacked by the controller. Um, and speaking of Ultron, the ultimate android is back, wearing Hank Pym's remains as a meat puppet. It's pretty Aww. awful. Yeah, and Meat if, puppet. And in fact, yeah, that's not really the most Muppety sort of thing that you <laughs> want to say. Meat puppet. Uh, in the most recent um, Tony Stark Iron Man comic, uh, and this is a spoiler, Tony has suffered uh, in an explosion created by Ultron mm. and been merged with his own armour. Oh. He's a cyborg. A, a horrific turn of events. Well, he gets by with a little help from his friends and for them too <laughs> because he's in so many of the other titles I, I just had to stop and, uh, and list them the magnificent miss marvel uh, he's tried to help with kamala khan's um, dad's uh, illness mm-hmm. which is terminal mm-hmm. sometimes all you can do is bring um, gyros and a sympathetic arm and shoulder to cry on uh, Captain Marvel number 10, Tony uh, is having more success cracking the mystery behind why Carol Danvers is losing her powers again. Oh. Again. 
Uh, and by the way, he also helped Captain Marvel build a secret base of her own. Because <laughs> he does that. He's the go-to. Yeah. Uh, in the unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 48, with strong historical ties to her nutty origin first appearance story, <laughs> Tony continues to exchange text messages with Squirrel Girl at the start of each comic. Oh, fun. As well as occasionally pop up in her book. In this case, to rather embarrassing, embarrassingly back her up in a fight with a whole bunch of foes, one of whom hacks his armour, steals it for herself and leaves Tony standing around in his Iron Man smiley-faced underwear. (laughs) (laughs) In the friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man number 10, Stark is legal support to Peter Parker. In Ironheart number 10, because he's such a a, a by-the-rules person, Mr Stark is. In Ironheart number 10, his protege, Riri, Riri Williams, is over in Wakanda, Pelling around with Princess Shuri. Ah. There's rumours that um, RDJ might play the voice of her suitor AI. But in the MCU, now that Spider-Man has swung out mm. back to Sony. Oh, let's not talk about it. Well, I'm still, I'm still mourning that. Yes. Who's going to be the next uh, scientist engineer supreme? They'll guff it up. I feel, I mean, yeah. I think Shuri could do it. Mm. She's uh, she wins a Shuri's a shoe in for that role, uh, and you know maybe with Banner and um, Hank mm. Pym in tow, something like that. It takes a team to <gasps> to replace Toadie. <laughs> Avengers business. Mister Stark is still part of the Avengers, one of the new refounders in the comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on a magical mystery tour with Ghost Rider at the moment as Avengers Mountain, which is actually a celestial corpse. <laughs> um, like in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, but on the Earth, is moving again, like it's sort of zombie. Uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers, is the group that he's with there at the moment. In Loki number two, that that, uh, spin-off title, following his brother Thor's advice, Loki visits Tony Stark to ask about becoming an Avenger. That ends well. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. All right. In the Invaders comic book, he's um, fighting Prince Namor, Mm-hmm. Uh, he features in the big Marvel Comics 1000 issue, which is a big anthology comic. Uh, in the alternate universes, in Spider-Man Life Story, Tony Stark, Iron Man, is the villain. Uh, he learnt the lo- wrong lesson in the Vietnam War and mm. it continues as an arms dealer. Uh, in Secret Warps, it's not even Tony Stark, it's um, Thor uh, or, or a uh, relative of Thor playing Iron Hammer. <laughs> Uh, in the history of the Marvel Universe, which is one of those um, spin-off things, sort of like an encyclopedia. Uh, if you're familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe origin of Iron Man, kidnapped by the Ten Rings terrorist group during the latest war in Afghanistan, uh, originally it was the Second Southeast Asian War in Vietnam that that occurred in, ah. uh, in the 1960s, in 1963. Now they've relocated it in the history of the Marvel Universe. They've retconned it to a country called Sin Kong, okay. which is notionally on the northern border of Vietnam between there and China. So this allows the Marvel comics to have a war in Southeast Asia that had an indeterminate end date, meaning the characters who would be very old by now can be rebooted as being younger. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm very confused. Uh, I did visit, didn't visit Sin Kong. I visited Vietnam. <laughs> okay. Um, as I said, the uh, Tony Stark Iron Man and the Ironheart comics are coming to an end in December. Uh, are we going to be Iron Man 3 for uh, 2020? 
I hope not. I'll be bereft without any any iron in my diet. <laughs> but I think that um, in the wake of his big damn heroic demise in the MCU, uh, that they're going to do this crossover that's going to have something to do with Arno Stark because 2020 right. is the year he first appears in the original comic books as a future Iron Man back in the 80s or 90s, one of those two. <laughs> so there you are, heaps and heaps of... Um, Iron Man stuff. Yeah, lots happening. And I, and I think I've actually talked myself out of um, talking about Ad Astra today. Because <laughs> yes, it, we were going to take a look at that, uh, the latest and greatest space movie, Brad Pitt. Mm. I did enjoy it. Yeah. It's a slow, uh, slow key enjoyment, a slow retro burn. Okay. Um, it's very, very reminiscent of about a half dozen other important science fiction films and some frivolous ones. Brad Pitt is great in it, but it's a restrained, buttoned-down Dave Bowman great. So don't expect his usual turn in this. So we will talk about this probably next week, I think. Yeah, cool. Um, Give you a few more people chances to see it. It's not a big emotional film. Um, It's it's not going from zero to 60. And that's all right. I okay. think this movie is more of a procedural space travel one. It's been reviewed well. Yeah, it should um, be. Interesting. All right. Very mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave that till next week. And, of course, <laughs> this week we did hear earlier the um, little promo for The Dead Don't Die, which is the latest zombie flick directed by Jim Jarmusch, which is coming out this week. We did. Very excited. Mm. And I think since we've been talking about Iron Man, we will go out with a long track mm-hmm. um, from Tool's Fear Inoculum, their latest album, their latest much-awaited album. And this is Invincible, so The Invincible Iron Man. And this is a long track, so thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And to- um, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> got him on the brain. Joe Brunatic. Okay. Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. <laughs> G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. <laughs>